This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, hey Marge, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Running a growing business means getting the insights you need wherever you are. With Shopify's single dashboard, you can manage orders, shipping, and payments from anywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ifanboy, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash ifanboy now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash ifanboy. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. You're listening to the iFanboy.com Pick of the Week podcast, episode 36. And this one's sponsored by ComicHole.com. Welcome to iFanboy.com's Pick of the Week podcast. It's episode 36, as in the Wu-Tang's 36 Chambers. I don't know what that means. Anyway, I'm Josh, and I'm here with Connor. Hello. That's his line. And Ron. Hey. Right on cue. At iFanboy.com, we like comic books. We read them. Every week, we read a whole bunch of them, and then one of us will pick the best one, write up a Pick of the Week on the website, and then we come and talk about it on the podcast right here. And all the other books of the week and whatever else we feel like yapping about. Um, whatever floats our boat. As you know, it's a weekly review show. <laughs> and this is not, you know, I don't, we don't want to ruin books for you, but we're going to talk about the books that happen. Uh, so anyway, you know, if you're coming into this, uh, it's probably best to have read your books for the week already. That's our disclaimer, though, so, you know, you're warned from here on out. Uh, you're on notice. Uh, <laughs> Oh, God. Anyway, so Connor's got the pick this week, and uh, the Mighty Marvel train rolls on. Hi, everybody. I'm not on the phone anymore. Yay! Hey, you actually have the internet. I don't have to hold the phone up to my ear for an hour. It's nice. I you on line one. I bet your ear got all sweaty. It was not nice, I'll tell you that. It's like you're a 15-year-old, 15-year-old on the phone with a girl for the first time for an hour and a half. 15-year-olds don't use the phone anymore, Ron. Oh, right. They text message. I forgot. Astonishing I mean, X-Men number 15 is the pick of the week, which... Uh, I think probably surprised some people. I know there were some predictions on the website thinking I would pick um, 
Robin or Flash or 52 or another DC book. But uh, no, I threw you shook, a curveball. You shook him up. I did. I don't like to come at you with what is expected. I like to come at you with something unusual. I picked... I don't, I don't like him coming at me at all. <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> so. I picked Astonishing X-Men because um, this is probably the most fun I've had reading the X-Men possibly ever. I'm not a really big X-Men guy, but I thought about it. I really have been reading X-Men off and on for the, most of my comic book reading lifetime. I've, I bought it through most of the 90s and the Jim Lee, clear Chris Claremont era and all that stuff. And um, This is really what I'm looking for in an X-Men book. It's a lot of fun. It's It doesn't require a whole lot of knowledge of the intricate continuity that the X-Men have. It it will reference things in the past, but when it does, it usually explains them. If it's really important to the story, if it's not really important to the story, it doesn't really matter. A lot of I don't necessarily follow everything that goes on or know who every character is, but usually, it doesn't make a difference to me, my enjoyment of the book. It's it, I think Whedon is really got a good handle on how to write these stories and make them fun, make them exciting, make them um, serious, but then also not get mired down in the whole morass of. X-Men continuity that really trips up a lot of good writers. You know, not to interrupt, but I will. Okay. Um, and I don't want to get into it because this could be a whole other podcast topic mm -hmm. or you know, a whole podcast in and of itself, but I'm on a really thin ice, on a short leash about this whole everyone bitching about X-Men continuity because I really think it's become just a crutch to blame poor quality. You continuity. bitch about X-Men continuity. No, I know, no, I know, but I, I don't bitch about X-Men continuity in the same way that people bitch about, like, oh, I can't, you know, like, I'm afraid to read X-Men because I don't know all the continuity when this is an example that you don't actually need to know all the continuity. Well, yes, exactly, you don't. Years, right? Yeah, I think, no, what I'm saying is that I think continuity has become a crutch to blame either bad writing or to blame, you know, or to, or to you know, kind of put a name to the intimidation that, that it go with these books and it works against them. So I, don't I know, think that's, we'll talk about it that's, that's true on one hand, but I'm on the sure. other hand, um, X-Men fans in particular, and this is not, this is not an insult, but it's, they seem to demand that their continuity be, be respected at all times. Well, well, yeah, but in the same way that you would demand that that Batman not, you know, be be like like Batman, like you, the the continuity is like. Yeah, but that's 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 characterization. I'm talking about. I'm not. Not every Batman story needs to be respected, and it seems like to me it's more of a, a badge, a red badge of courage that the X Men fans are all knowledgeable on, on all the stories, and all the writers have to be, or it's considered a failure. Uh, and any anytime anytime anybody ever talks in an interview about ignoring the continuity, uh, people go up in arms. Well, I think I think continuity is mixed with the with the with the tr with the with the spirit and the tone of of the characters and respectful of the char of the history. And but it doesn't have to be like you don't have to fucking reference the you know Eric uh, you know Eric the Red number two. You know what I mean? Like I agree. But anyway, and that's why this book works so well because you really yeah. you can you can jump into this book I think with a base knowledge of who the characters are. And enjoy it. I don't think you need to know. Um, I don't. I, mean, I don't. I don't really. I've read a lot of it, but I don't know a lot of the the intricacies of the different relationships between the characters. But I still really enjoy it. Just just from my general comic knowledge and seeing the movies and knowing who Cyclops and Emma Frost are and um, Colossus and Kitty Pryde. You don't really need to know much beyond that. And I think also it helps that John Cassidy is really, you know, quietly one of the most talented artists working in superhero comics at the moment, and Joss Whedon has really improved his comic book writing skill. He started off a little bit rough, um, but I think he's, he's come on really quickly to become really masterful at writing comic book scripts. And I'm glad this, I mean, I'm glad this book is coming out more regularly than that, because I really look forward to it every week.
Except that it's not coming out that regularly because it's it's it, it's it was, it's back on the right? schedule now though it's monthly yeah now. it's back on the monthly schedule yeah but but the the fact that it was on bi monthly worked against it because uh, if I remember Josh you don't you didn't remember who half the characters were this book right? confused I mean, the hell out of me yeah <laughs> <laughs> I I see you two I, I I was really surprised to hear that you picked it because and I I know some Max Men I've read the Dark Phoenix I get the idea of the little stuff and but I was like who's the goth chick and what happened who's doing this see I don't know who the goth chick is but it didn't it didn't affect my whole story one way or another I she had was... to go back to figure out I guess she's the person who made everybody act weird because she dreamed no, about well, she... it is that her thing well, no no she no she didn't make no um Cassandra Nova made um made Wolverine and Beast act weird when did that and, happen um, on page did you read the book yeah, yeah I did. <laughs> <laughs> Page three um, was when she took out Beast, and, yeah, and, then, and then four, no. five, six. I mean, it's it's it, those were pretty clear. I see. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That was, uh, I just that was... sort of feel like I felt like I, what was happening was it felt like a montage to me. Like it was going in, I'd see a flash of a scene, and then they'd go to something else. Sometimes I'd feel like the panels sort of weren't really flowing together. Like things were like there were bits of it, like the action scene between Shaw and and uh, Colossus and stuff and that was fun because I was kind of like I think Colossus Shaw has some sort of power you know and and that kind of stuff was good but just from sort of scene to scene I, I just felt like we were drifting around a little bit like well I think I, I mean I think I, I think part of it is that is that I think you kind of need I mean I don't I'm not gonna I can't I don't know when you read it or how you read it but I think you need to sit down and read it like kind of with no distraction and like, kind of take your time because I I was I was a little shaken early on mm-hmm. similar to how you were a little confused but then I realized that this whole issue happened probably in the span of like 20 minutes if that sure it was a lot of simultaneous things happening at the same time and as soon as i got that i I was i rolled with it it was awesome i mean and and i don't also i don't remember a damn thing about what happened in the last issue right well like i remember the last panel with scott and his eyes freaking out and i got that and that was the first thing we saw in this one i was like okay i remember where we picked up and then in the issue before that is when you found out that emma was with the hellfire club and and right i remember that but i don't know who like there's this the, bit in the, the middle with is, this person who's caged, and then there's somebody on a throne. I don't know who any of these people are. But, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> but it, I also only started reading it uh, three issues ago, I think, and I haven't read the first, like, trailer. Right, yeah, you, did, yeah, you missed, yeah, you the, miss it, and I still need to get you, I, I know I, I owe you that second volume of Astonishing, I almost ordered it the other day. See, because the thing about um, Astonishing <laughs> is, it's, it's pretty much been the same cast through all 15 issues, so mm-hmm. if you have been reading it all the way through, um... Yeah, it makes sense. The, or I would say probably if you, if you haven't read it, that section in the middle with the the um with the sword people, what they call again? Yeah, sword. Yeah, sword. that's probably the most confusing because those people I think we invented, mm-hmm. but yeah. everybody else and, is is probably. I mean, and that's all, that's only two pages yeah. too. So it's, oh yeah, no, I'm just and everybody going. else is is you know X Men characters from a long time. So no, I did fine with that. I didn't think it was bad. I was just a little confused, which I'm, I do attribute to not having read, you know, the first twelve issues or whatever of it. So just to give a little background to fill you guys in, um, the I mean you know who Cassandra Nova is and you know who um, Emma is, of course and you know who Shaw is. I'm not exactly but, um, sure who Cassandra Nova is. She the Grant Morrison. Morrison's. You didn't read Morrison. I read about two issues of it and I went. Oh, well. uh, she's Xavier's twin. Oh, oh. E- evil twin. Does yeah. she have the same powers? Yeah, she's a telepath. I see. So, um, but so that's Cassandra Nova. The person in the hooded, the hooded person is perfection, and I know nothing about that character. This is I'm I'm, I'm curious to find out who that character is. Um, the, the, and the, the chick with the, the dreadlocks and the blue skin. No, that no no no. The person with the hood. Oh, okay. At the at the end, this is the the person in the ver- in the in the third to last page that says this is but prologue. Oh, okay. Or if you look on the cover, the upper yeah. left hand. And I'm corner. fearful that it's gonna fucking be Jean Grey, and I hope it's not. I just hope it's not. Mm. But anyway, um. 
but the, and the goth chick is uh, Nagasonic Teenage Warhead, which is um, was a character created by Morrison and Quietly. It was one of the, one of Emma's students um, at the school. She's from Genosha, and she has she has telepathic like powers. Mm-hmm. What what happens is that she says she quote unquote dreams things and they happen mm-hmm. where she's willing people like she dreamed that Kitty had lost control of her powers and then Kitty lost control of her powers. Right, I so, see. Um, so that's that's who they are. Now I didn't share my thoughts of the book with Connor on Wednesday. I said I was going to save it for the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really did like it, and we just got to touch upon like I, like if it's possible to hoot and holler during a comic book, I hooted, I hooted and hollered on the last page. Because no, not early. Like when Cassandra. Well, the thing was is that what annoyed me was like I'm tired of I'm tired of the X Men getting beat up. It seems like the X Men get beat up all the time, and I'm, I miss the days when they kick ass. And I know that I know that it will come. They will win, and the, the but, whole but isn't that like the but, standard superhero story? If they, they, if they kick in. ass yeah, the but, first fight, then the fight's but, over. Right, but my pro- but my problem is is that this Cassandra Nova Beast thing was almost the same fight as when Cassandra Nova and Morrison's book fought Beast. It's al- it was almost the same scene. He was in the lab. She turned him into you know into a beast, and and that was it. You know, um, but when the panel where she's standing at the doorway and you see Wolverine with claws pop behind her, I was like, yeah, because I thought Wolverine was gonna thrash her. And then to only go a couple pages and see what she did to Wolverine was just a great twist. It was like you know it was awesome. I thought it was you know it took it in took it in a direction that I didn't expect. And then, and then, of course, there's the last page, which was just like awesome. Which was like throughout this entire throughout this entire run on Astonishing, there have been two things that have happened: is that you've really gotten Whedon, you know, you've gotten Whedon's appreciation of, appreciation of Kitty Pride as a character, which is so cliche because he likes the girl characters and all that stuff. But apparently, that all stems she, but, from his original liking of Kitty Pride. Well, yeah, but the thing is that it also, it, but it also, it also supplants Kitty Pride's status within the X Men lore, which has been gone for the past five years or so. That she's one of the main, she is one of the X Men. She's one of the main ones, and she's like the heart of the team. And it's great to see somebody be writing her in that way again. And then, secondly, is that visually, you know, Cassidy has been referencing moments through X Men history throughout this entire run, and and to, to do it again like this, like perfectly, was just awesome. It was just like, a, you know, I, I cheered. I was che- I was in my room cheering. Now I can't, so. I can't, I couldn't quite understand. I couldn't quite figure out if I liked that last page or if I thought it was a little hackneyed. Why hackneyed? Hackneyed. I don't know. It's just so obvious. But at the same time, I mean, I knew what it was, and it was like, it was. It's a really nice right, drawing, it, and it's cool. And I guess it, it, if it hasn't been done a lot, then fine. That's. Well, the thing is, is that you got to recognize is that in, in the, there are two things in the context of what he's been doing throughout this entire series. He's been referencing, you know, moments throughout X Men's history visually okay. throughout the entire run. And so, I mean, and I know that, and that's where kind of that's kind of like the whole thing, where you know, you throw in a couple of geek references in a comic book movie, and that makes us happy. But then the rest of the people can understand it, not needing to know what this is re- referring mm-hmm. to. Um, so that that's one thing. But then the second thing also is that um, you know, there's a long history of, I mean, of Marvel. Of and I don't know I don't know if DC does it Connor maybe you know but I mean there's a long history of people n- making nods to previous artists like you'll see you'll see the same oh yeah they do like they'll sign it after like yeah, uh, after after Ditko right. or after Steranko or whatever yeah. I just I just interpret that as like the next level of this where you know they're infl- you know this is kind of, this could this panel could be like Afterburn yes you know, I, I think that I think that it, look, I, I think this one's actually pretty cool and I I do like it I think that what happened was sometime around. I don't know. I blame Kevin Smith, but at some point, references to things got really tiring, and it was a to me like it seemed like a really cheap way of getting people to go, "Ooh, that's cool." Why do you blame Kevin? Like, what did Kevin Smith? Kevin do Smith to, to me is him and Kevin Williamson were the people who like made it mainstream and cool to be postmodern and reference other things and things. Now, granted, in if you study film or whatever, you know that filmmakers quote 
previous filmmakers all the time and whatever. But at some point, referring to other things to me, it was just like it's like it's a little cheap and a little lazy. It's a way to get like a, a thrill. But in that, like I got so annoyed with it that I couldn't even tell you when it was good anymore. You know what I'm saying? No. Um, yeah, I mean, if you go, Kevin Smith did get a little over the top, which is part of the reason why I stopped caring about anything he's done. In the and last I don't just mean him years. though, but like a thing right, that but he I mean, started if, if you off. Can, where, like, he started off, but if you cut him out, then you're then you forget it. No, you know. that's not what I'm doing. I'm saying he started a movement where like everybody was like, "Haha, I'm going to mention Superman and I'm going to mention Star Wars and stuff," and and like and that makes comic book fans and web geeks and stuff be like, "Isn't he cool? He referenced Star Wars," and like that's not impressive so much anymore. That makes sense on a film level, but comics have always referenced themselves, and it's well, everything's derivative. Yeah. I mean, everything. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I see what you mean. Where, where if you do it too much, you can get a little tired. But at the same time, like, you know, and I agree, it got to it can it got to be a little much with with um with Kevin Smith. But even then, I, I mean, I, I I still ate the shit up. You know, I mean, you, you you're a big fan it. of that kind of thing, though. Yeah, I mean, I think it cracks me up. I mean, because it's relatable. It's, it's. I want to relate to something. I guess you know? so, no, and that's true. Yeah. I, but, uh, and that's what I'm saying is, I think that it poisoned me a little bit, so that when it's actually done in a really cool way, that I can't recognize it because there's just so many other times that it's done just cheaply. But you need to be detoxed. In, I think I do. In retrospect, yeah. though, like I need that thing to go away for a little while, so that like this is a good one. Yeah. I like that. I was like, that's really neat because it's. Yeah. And I don't know if they've done that panel before. If you don't know what it is uh, referring to, yeah. should I tell? I mean. Sure, I'd like to hear if you, if you know. Okay. <laughs> I did know. I totally saw it. The most sort of famous panel in the whole Dark Phoenix saga is the the Hellfire Club have defeated everybody and and they uh, sent Wolverine down into the sewers by increasing his gravity and everything, and they think that they've won and everything. And then the last panel is is Wolverine in the same position that Kitty's in. Uh, you know, now it's my turn. Uh, yep. And that's the, that leads into Wolverine alone. Wasn't that like the point where he became like? Wolverine. Yeah, that was that was yeah. yeah that was the that was the tipping point for Wolverine. That was the kick-ass Wolverine point because because from that point on he worked his way into the Hellfire Club and and that was when he talked down the the foot soldier. And he's like, I know what you're thinking, you know, he's five foot three, I'm six feet away, I can shoot, you know, and like and he t- totally like kind of a Clint Eastwood kind of mm-hmm. moment, you know, and it was that really did make Wolverine. That was his. That was yeah. That was his coming was out party. And like yeah, that totally. was the thing where you're like, ooh. Plus, you've got the the history of Kitty Pride and Wolverine, so it makes sense, you know. It's, yeah. It's, yeah to- exactly. It's not like it was um, Colossus. In the pose, yeah. it, will, it, may, it means more that it's Kitty Pride, mm-hmm. right? But th- there were just subtle things in this book that were just so great. I mean, like the, like the opening, the opening page with Emma getting ready for her performance. That was great. That was great. A lesser, and you were right. You, you mentioned this on the website. A lesser artist um, would have destroyed that. I mean, not destroyed it, but not yeah. as been quite as effective as Cassidy. And um and the fact that she walks in on Kitty and Peter and and Wolverine in the kitchen exactly where they were last issue like there's a real sense of continuity because so many times you'll you'll get a book and in between month to month like you don't have a feeling that this is actually taking place after the last issue because if they change artists or whatever you know but the consistent writing and art team gives you that level of consistency where they're in they're in the same room the same clothes like it was just I mean it just it just flowed so easily you know just that oh, was great I, don't know. I really like the coloring on this book. Well, Laura, yeah, Martin. Laura, Laura Martin. Laura yeah. Martin, she's the best. That's, I mean, this is, you've got a great, Joss Whedon really gets this team, I think. Yeah. Gets how to write them. I mean, I think from a casual fan standpoint, uh, Cassidy is at the top of his game, and Laura Martin is, is the premier, premier colorist in all of comics. So, I mean, yeah, this is tough to top the book. Tops. 
Cool. So enough of this. I think if if we go to the other side of the coin, there is. Yeah. Well, let's let's do let's do some quick um, bullet points and some of the other. The Flash, the fastest man alive, number one, which I was greatly anticipating because I like the Flash, and I've been reading. I've been buying the Flash monthly since junior high school. Um, And Flash is my DC guy. And um, this was awful. Oh, it was so upsettingly awful. I was going to buy it, and then I read that it was awful from enough places that I went, you know, forget it. And it, you know what? It wasn't. We're not going to do a lot of this, but it wasn't the story. I think the script no. was pretty good. And I, yeah, the script was good, and I liked the storytelling method of Jay's narration and then Barry's narration and stuff like that. It was and Bart's narration. This and, was the most amateurish art I've ever seen on a main, a mi- oh, big angry. time major yeah. character book. I mean, this was like, I was stunned at how bad this was, the art well, art wise. Poor Ken Lashley's home crying. <laughs> I mean, what, like what, what sort of style was it? It's like it's uh, trying to be Howard Porter, I think. A little with a little bit of Michael Turner thrown. Yeah. In. Ooh. Yeah. It's it's not good at all. And it's, Howard Porter is yeah. a really interesting one because I really like looking at his art, but if I take it piece by piece, like I I don't really like it panel to panel. I love Howard Porter's art. I've come this close to buying so many JLA pages because of, of his art. I, like I do, but there's something about it, like, if anybody else was doing it, if it was just a little bit different, or a little, I don't think it would be good, but there's something that he does to it. Yeah, there's something something in his style that makes it really good to read. I don't know. Okay, so let's, Flash is a big disappointment. We're going to move on. Thumbs down. Uh, this is... But, unfor- but the, the sick, you don't know what the sick thing is? What? Okay. I'm going to keep I'll keep buying it. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I don't know. I, I don't have know a disease. I'm, do I'm sick. Too. Help me. <laughs> um, the next book, this is where, this is where we tell vertical to, to fast forward. We're going to 52 week seven. Yes. No, 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 no. Put your hands over your ears. Don't listen. Hear earmuffs. How long do um, keep this up? We haven't talked about 52 in a few weeks. Um, I thought this is one, I thought this is actually the best one so far. I really yeah, like this yeah, one. Something finally happened. For the, for the, on the one, on, for one thing, we have the introduction of Batwoman. Not in, cost- not in costume, not in the character. Wait, here's Hot. my nitpick. Boy, I, I really wish I didn't know she was going to become Batwoman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's I mean, how much better? I didn't, better think, would I didn't it even be? think of that. Yeah, you're right. Oh, I did. Yeah, as soon as, as soon as, like in the one part where she, she looks down at the paper and it says Kane family. I'm like, well, there we go. There's that plot ruined. Yep, exactly. Um, but I thought the best part was when um, Booster Gold's whole persona came unraveled, and then uh, Ralph Dibney just lit into him. In front of the cameras. Getting badass. By the way, with the, with the beard and the suit. Ralph Dibney is grizzled. <laughs> grizzled. And yeah. I, I did notice that his his beard uh, was more fuller and of a different color depending on what panel we were in. Well, I think yeah, you know if you can control your skin, beard. couldn't you uh, move your beard around? So the more grizzly he is in any given moment, he could be more beardy. I mean, yeah, you're right. It's almost like a wispy beard at the beginning, and then it's like a full-on that's beard full. at the end. Yeah. Are yeah. different that's, artists? That's that's minor. I don't even care. Yeah. At this, you wait. You wait till like week thirty-seven. There'll be stick <laughs> figures. <laughs> it's gonna I'm be so tired. <laughs> look, look, look on the uh, like. Uh, I'm looking towards the back when there's that explosion of Metropolis. He's got a full-on beard, like a He's grizzly a man desert, beard. Desert Island, yeah, like grizzly man, like my side of the mountain. Yep. But I thought this was the best one. I, that was a really good issue, fifty-two. So um, the anyway, last so. book we're going to talk about is um, something that's been very. Highly anticipated. Wait, we're done with 52? I, yeah. Go ahead. Bullet good. points, bullet Move points. On. It was good. Move the on. last one is The Eternals from Neil Gaiman and John Romita Jr. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. No. You forgot about a whole, a whole stack of bad of New Avengers. Oh, 20. I'm sorry. I, it's so bad I didn't even pull it from my stack. Talk about a letdown. First off, like, I, as, I picked up the, as I picked up the issue, I just groaned when I saw the, the awful Mike Diodato Magneto screaming. It looked like 1998. It looked like a 1998 X-Men cover. 
And I was just like, and before I even read it, I'm like, I don't want to read this because I know it's so behind Civil War. That's really the most disappointing thing about this whole ser- yeah. this whole story. Yeah. You know what? I didn't mind that for the last. I mean, it was like on the side, it was bugging me, but it didn't make me not enjoy the last couple issues. No, the I'll last issues this were by good. Saying, I'll press preface this once again by just saying, I didn't really hate this either. Really? I don't think it was exemplary. I think yeah. it was sort of regular and standard, and in that way, it was disappointing. But I didn't think it was horrible. Like I was expecting Let to not be able down. to follow it, but then again, like I, mean, I, I don't... think that when you hold yourself to a high standard that Bendis has, if you have an ordinary issue, it, it looks worse in comparison. It's possible. You know what I felt? Do you know what I felt like with this issue? I felt like I had a big little league game, and Bendis was my dad, and he never showed up. <laughs> I, felt, I felt let down. It's like it's like the game's over, everybody's driving away, and I'm still sitting there on the diamond, and then he comes in his suit, and he's like, "Son, I'm sorry, I got a big meeting." And, and you just so, go, <sighs> and you throw your glove down and walk the other way. Exactly. I was oh, let down. And then the down. piano starts up. Yeah. Um, and then I turn. And then I turn to drugs. <laughs> so I mean, I thought the reveal was stupid. It's just the whole crap. It was just, crap. Just, Move on. I mean, it, it, you're right. It probably wasn't terrible, but in, if you if you compare it to the it other was just books, such a letdown. Consider. And the thing is, I understanding that. I mean, like we. Ha- I think we have a, a an unrealistic high level of standard with it now. Oh, and, I mean, what are we on? What issue is this? This is issue 20. 20, 20 yeah. Not a bad track record. Yeah, not bad. I, I really yeah. like how they brought back, like, they were like, don't forget Alpha Flight. Yeah, <laughs> All of a sudden, yeah, Wolverine, yeah. once again, yeah. Bendis Wolf- just sort of not really knowing what to do with Wolverine. He does not know how to write him. It's All of a sudden, he becomes a Canadian nationalist, and he's just, he's yeah. distraught over the loss of Alpha Flight. Tell that to Alpha Flight. <laughs> Wolverine would never say tell that. Like, it was well, so- that and Wolverine's, you know, he's been around long enough to know the dude didn't have anything to do with it. It's stupid. Oh, God. He was a patsy. No, no, but, no, the, no but the thing is, is that Wolverine, no, the, the problem with this is that Wolverine has, has an emotional connection to Alpha Flight. Sure. He was originally a member of Alpha Flight. Jamie, Jamie and Heather Hudson saved him from the, from the woods and trained him and got him, like, back to civilization. So th- it makes perfect sense for him to be upset that Alpha Flight is dead. Sure. Three issues ago. Yeah. Exactly. Not now, all of a sudden, he snaps out of it and, re- and blames the guy. Yeah, but well, why do you blame this guy? This guy had nothing to do with it. He was a shell. Well, this guy, Three months for us is, is you know, a day, no, no, a day and a half for a comic I, time. I didn't mean, I, no, no, I didn't mean three months. I meant three issues. Right, but, I mean, it's been a while for us, but for him, it's still the same Listen, he's fight. got a, he's got so a tough So he's still shell. upset. Listen, you apologize. It takes a little while <laughs> to get through to that guy. Bendis doesn't know how to write Wolverine. I will say I, it, I and I'll say it, it to his face. No, I think it's true. Yeah. I, You're not like going to say it to his face. Awesome. He's not going to San Diego, so it doesn't matter. I won't have to. You, you'll be too busy begging Mike Hemming for a chin. I'm going to type it and say <laughs> it to his face. <laughs> anyway, give it to David Mack and ask him to bring it to him. <laughs> I'll write it down. You can't write Wolverine. Love Ron. All right, so now we get to the Eternals. When I skipped past New yes, Avengers, Eternals number one. Neil, Neil Gaiman, John Romita Jr. And I'm great. I'm very, I'm very curious to see what you. I loved about. it. Um, this, I really this, did. This was nearly the pick of the week. Um, I don't, I, I don't, and I don't know a lot about the cosmic side of the Marvel universe. Uh, if it's not like Thor, Thor's not cosmic. He's in the sky, isn't he? Thor, Thor, no, Thor's, Thor's people. Thor's yeah, but, yeah, but the they mix in Asgard. with the Celestials. They're like yeah, they, on the, they're a low rung on the cosmic ladder. Alright, that's stretch. And that was why I remembered when I was like, "That's a weird pick for John Romita to draw this." And then I remembered he used to draw Romita. Thor. Hush. And uh, he used to draw Thor, and they would get into that cosmic stuff every once in a while with the gods and the sort of fantasy stuff. And so I, I thought he was great. He really he impressed the me. The art was good. The art was really good. And... 
You are on drugs. From a guy who can't get Travis Charest's name right, no matter how. <laughs> no, I remember the line of Charest, Charest. Hush. So I, I really liked it. I really liked the mystery. I don't know who any, any of these gods are, but I, I find the idea that like they're the, all uh, mortal or hiding as like mortals interesting. Did you like the Civil War tie-in? I did. Uh, I was yeah, wondering so, about subtle. halfway through. You see, that's continuity. That's nice. Thank you. Where was Thank it? Thank you. When they were when they were watching when they when he was watching the um the the TV show about people becoming super oh right 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 and yeah, they had to do a PSA good. about the registration yes, yeah. and creepy. I like that because it show, it was another side of it too it showed how that would interact with the real world like plus it showed how scary I mean it was like that is totally what would happen yeah. it's the law um, here's 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 something that you guys you guys don't really read him uh, game in very much right no. if you had uh, the sort of fallback to this is it's very familiar. If you if to a couple of his uh, novels, actually, uh, American Gods is sort of about gods living among us, and they kind of know it. And so, like, you'd be walking around the crazy old person on the side of the road. That's that's like an old ancient god from a, from an old era. There was some of that in Sandman. Um, his book Neverwhere is also so. What you're saying me. is Neil Gaiman is a hack. That's what Josh Flanagan is saying. Kind, rehash, kind of. It, it kind yeah. of is. Well, I mean, it plays off the same theme that he goes with a lot. And this, you know, was... Look at us having no respect for the greats. Bendis can't write Wolverine. Neil Gaiman's a hack. What's next? Yeah, well, we demand the best. Stanley's dead? <laughs> Stanley? Yeah, do we have to remember Just Imagine Stanley? <laughs> oh. So. Um, it's not to say it wasn't good. And then I really, like, I got to the end of it. And I felt like I got my $4 worth. Why am I paying $4 for every other issue now, by the way? Um... You know, and I wanted to know what came next, and I, I wanted to keep reading it, and so that was all really good. But it it did feel like, and I guess most comic writers, comic readers, I don't know if they've read his his stuff or not, but yeah, a little. Still recommend it. Well, this is good that I haven't read his other stuff then, because I really yeah. enjoyed it. It was good. I loved it, but I had one problem with it. Okay, go ahead. And my problem with it is a problem that not specifically specifically with the, the issue, but with a trend amongst comics, which I've mentioned it before, but it really pissed me off this week. Because, um, he, he, by the way, when he reads comics in his room on Wednesday nights, it's just like if you were outside of the door, all you hear is "Oh yeah, fucker, God damn!" <laughs> it's 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 a it's a downpour of emotions. Why do they keep on doing this? <laughs> anyway, what's wrong? Um, so my problem is is that I'm sick and tired of covers that have nothing to do with the comic, and or covers that are not that are painted or photorealistic, or buy a different artist, or don't even get me started on variant covers. Like, there's been a trend over the past couple of years, and nobody's really talking about it, so we're, it's just happening, and we're not doing anything about it, and I'm tired. So I'm standing up on a soapbox, and I'm saying it out right here now. Compare two books that came out this week. Um, the Eternals and All-Star Superman, Okay, which apparently now is just called Superman. They dropped the All-Star, apparently, in the title. But if you compare the two covers on Ex- Eternals, what we have – and by the way, I want to call Eternals Externals because there was a group in X-Men called Externals. And so if I do that, I apologize. But so Eternals, we've got this painted, dark, murky cover of, I'm assuming, the one of the main guys. And it's a very nice piece of art. But it has nothing to do with the book inside other than it's just, it happens to be a character. Note, I'm going to be but, disagreeing ha- with you in a moment. Ha- okay, Continue. but hang on. That, then you look over to Superman, All-Star Superman, and you actually see almost like a panel from the story held within with copy written on it where it says Superman's turned evil. And then it's got Jimmy Olsen saying, you know, if I can't get these crazy future weapons to work, I'm dead. And so is everyone else. This, and it's by the artist who drew the issue, and it's relevant to the story within. And it's stupid. 
Yeah, the, my other example is, is a, couple, <laughs> a couple a couple of months ago when Amazing Spider-Man came out. And it was the issue when um, um, uh, Spidey was with Tony down. It was with Iron Man down in Washington D.C. And the freaking cover was Spider-Man sitting on the couch with Iron Man and Captain America in costume watching TV. That was really bad. And that was, that bad. was a bad. It had one. Nothing to do with the story. And, I'm gonna, and, and yeah, and I'm DC's, a, DC's been doing it. Every freaking cover that Michael Turner does. Every like I'm I'm tired. The covers that J. Scott Campbell does. I'm tired that if you you're such a good artist, freaking do an issue. Don't do a cover. Okay, and if you're gonna and and if you're and if you're gonna publish a comic, give me a cover that gives me a a inkling of what's gonna go on inside the book. And now I understand why they do it because they have to solicit the comics three or four months in advance, and sometimes they don't know what's gonna be inside the book, so they just go with a cover that has the characters on it. To be not safe. necessarily. No, I don't think that's true. I think the point do, of I a cover that's, is to more true than the you point think of the cover. I'm sure it happens sometimes, but the point of a cover is to grab an eye. And they want a piece that, yeah. that elicits interest in the book and makes you pick it up. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that you see what the plot is going to be or, what, or what's happening wanted, in the book. When you see a movie on. poster, you don't need it to tell you exactly what's going on in the movie. You need a piece that symbolizes the story or the characters or whatever. Now, but, this, I'm not talking, but I'm not talking about movie posters. Okay, but they serve no the difference. same purpose, though. It's, a, no, it's, it's no, exactly no. the same purpose. It's to no. pique your interest. If you're, if the interest that you're piquing is to go pick up the cover of the, he just left. No. Um, <laughs> now the Eternals book, I disagree with you, because it is not a literal representation of what's happening inside the book, but it's a figurative representation. I think this is supposed to be the main character, and something yeah. is coming out of him. So what they're saying is that there is more inside that's going on. There's some sort of great power that's going on. Behind him is all of this sort of murk, and there's some shadows and faces, and you can see stuff. So there's something more than meets the eye that we can't quite see. Now, that is exactly see, but, what this book is about. You see, but here's my, here's my issue, though, is that if you turn to the last page of Eternals, they show all three covers for this issue, and there's this one painted cover that I got. I don't know if you guys got either. I don't know. Yeah, I got the – yes, that's the one I got. Blue-greenish one. And there was the one in the middle by a, by a um, artist who I can't identify with that has all the Eternal characters on it. Mm-hmm. And then there's the one that John Romita – um, Romita Jr. drew of the main character. If you ask me, the John Romita one, while it doesn't exp- it doesn't speak to what's going on, should have been the main cover of this because I'm tired of getting cover art. If you don't like painted art, well, no, I, admittedly I don't like painted art, and that's a subjective thing. But I'm ta- but but a lot of times they don't, you know, like I'm not I'm not sure. I wouldn't be surprised. It doesn't say who did the cover of the Flash, but I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't this um, right, but Ken Lashley. Cover you know? cover artists, specialized cover artists, have been around since time immemorial. I mean. Brian right, Bolland right. has been and, and, doing him and forever. I mean, this is this it doesn't is, make this and there are a lot of new books trend. That, a lot of books that that sort of that's their thing. Why the Last Man has a different cover artist than the one that's inside. The Why the Last Man covers are awesome. Yeah, no, that mainly those are. Um, the Vertigo is actually one of the people that really do this. Guys like Tim Bradstreet, um, yeah. who does a lot of covers. He did Hellblazer. He did the I don't know if he still does the Punisher ones or not, but you know. Those you know those kind of things. I like that. That's the trend I really like. It makes the idea is that it makes books look like uh, adult fiction rather than some panels out of the. Let's talk about the Superman cover. I mean, I I'm going to completely disagree with you and tell you I was cringing at this cover. This is this is not where I want comics to be anymore. This is um, and admittedly this is a device because. Grant Morrison is writing a Silver Age Superman here, yeah, throwback, and this is yeah. a throwback Silver Age cover. But this is not what I like in covers. I mean, this is I'm, embarrassing. I mean, part me. of it, part of it is sentiment. Part of it is. is are you is, upset you with know, the Powers ones that are that are movie posters? Well, ones? you see, that's that's the thing. I don't know. I mean, because 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 not because the thing is is that they they haven't done that on every issue. Can you smell the hypocrisy you know? in here, folks. 
But the problem, but the thing is about powers is that it's every cover has been by Ome. You see, like I, it's more that I have a problem with them using a different artist for the cover because I, I feel like it's it's selling me a bill of goods that's not that's not. No, you're, you're I would I would agree crazy. with that only if it's not someone who you know is you're the cover crazy. artist. I mean, some 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 books have an, cover. like for instance, a few years ago, um, on Wonder Woman, Adam Hughes did every cover, and there's different artists inside, and you knew that Adam Hughes was the cover artist, and it wasn't what about you weren't Preacher? expecting him. Bullshit. All of the preacher ones I, were were done by Glenn, Glenn Fabry and everything Fabry, inside. Right, right, right. That book would not have been preacher if Glenn Fabry wouldn't have been the but same book if Glenn Fabry wasn't doing all the covers. Di- but there's a big difference between preacher, a Vertigo book, and that kind. Of, I mean, I can. But the Why? thing is that I, and I well, because okay, let me finish my sentence. Jesus, because the thing is that I can under uh, Connor. I'll give you the point that there might be cover artists and Glenn Fabry just does cover artists, and we know what happens when he tried to do a book with that Daredevil target. With Kevin Smith that was terrible. Never came out exactly. Um, but if you go back and look, all those preacher covers related to the story. They weren't just random interpretations of the preacher characters. They actually, they actually presented. The, so is it the, less the bad if it's a related to the story, but n- not the guy yeah. inside, or if it's b the the guy inside, but not related to the story, as opposed to it's, c it's, not it's, related it's, and not the guy inside. <laughs> It's not so much. It's not so much each instance, but a little from column A, a little from column B. I, think I mean, like look at look at the Ultimates number two that came out this week. That was by the artist. It was a very. It was a great cover, if you ask me. It, it totally. It it got the the point across of the story, you know, and and it did it very simply, cleanly by the artist. I mean, that's the way to go. Meanwhile, like Ultimate Spider-Man, where the covers are by Bagley, the covers almost not, um, half the time have nothing to do with what's going on inside the book. You see, like so, it's it, they, I don't they've have, said I don't, many times that the only point of the, to those covers is to make people look go, ooh, look, Spider Man, and that's it. Right, I know, I know, and maybe, and like I said, maybe it's an old school kind of mentality. But like, Uncanny X Men number four seventy four came out this week, and the cover was by, I believe, was by the guy who did the art inside the book. But it's just a freaking pinup of the team. It had nothing to do with what was going on in, inside. Aren't they all inside? Yes, they all are. Inside. Well, there you go. I see, I don't think a pinup cover is very unusual. I'm sure that's been going on just as long as yeah, I don't know. as I mean, a snapshot com- from inside the book. I mean, Vertigo's thing for a long time has been to have specific cover artists who do probably a much nicer cover than the interior artist would be able to do within the course of a month. And I do know that a lot of times what they do with, like, 100 Bullets, they have a really, really good cover artist, and they'll give him a couple of ideas about what it's about. Maybe only like it's about gambling and it features this character, and so he'll go do something based on that. And it's only vaguely or sort of marginally related to what's going on inside, but it does have something to do with it. You keep going back to Vertigo. One day it's not because I work. think Vertigo's covers are among the best in the business, and they break every single one of the rules you're talking about. Right, and and that and, and case in point is that that's why I'm not including them in this because I'm not really talking about like alternative or or that sort of that that but, angle of things. I would but, I would expect them to push the envelope because they are. Vertigo. Wouldn't you say though but, that in order I have to, a different expectation from Spider-Man? Wouldn't you say though in order to increase the market share of comic books, they need to stop just trying to please people who are comic book fans, and they try to get people who aren't. Yes and no, but while these books are sitting on racks in direct market stores, it's not uh, you know my brother-in-law is not going to go seek out comics. I mean, it's a, you know like I don't I mean I don't know it's different. I, mean, I, it's, I really think that in order to get more the cover, people, the, the cover idea is, is to try to change it from the thing that was always done, which would be to try to break it out of the stereotype that comics have had. Right, but 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 so even then, you know, Ultimates Two is a prime example where it's it's not as schlocky and Silver Age as, as All Star Superman was, but it has the same artist. It relates to the story. I don't know. I mean, I just feel as if. That is, it's a, it's a, it's an angle to the cover, and I'm not dismissing, you know, the Glenn Fabries of the world and the Adam Hughes of the world and whatnot. But what I'm saying is that the combination of the three month solicitation period to Diamond and often the the poor planning, so they don't know what's going to be in the issue, so they fall back on just a pinup 
co- combined with the um, the I don't I want to say apologist or you know kind of um, opportunistic use of Michael Turner or J. Scott Campbell because they can't stick to a regular schedule. So let's have them do covers for us. I just think it's just it, it's. At in and the end of the day, it's just bad for the books from a you know because the thing is like you look back at great covers. I mean, you know, I, I always go back to the Neil Adams X Men covers that were amazing, amazing. And Neil and Adams they, made a career as cover artist for a while, didn't he? And then he went crazy. Oh well, yeah, well, that's a whole other story. I mean, like oh. I'd rather just see Ballin do covers than never see him again. Do you remember on the was it Detective or was it Gotham? One of those Gotham Gotham Knights. I Gotham think. Knights, where like every it was Roger Robinson inside who was doing his damnedest to uh, do. A, a Frank Miller type of Batman, um, and then Ballin did all the covers, and there was a nice continuity to it. There was three artists working on it. Basically, it was the interior penciler, the cover artist, and the writer. Yeah, well, I don't know. I just it it just it's just something that's always bugged me and it bothers me, and it's just like I'm just tired of the painted covers, and I'm tired of the and I'm tired of just basically the the covers that like Spider. It, it less about less about the you know the the preachers of the world, the hundred bullets, or why the last man, and more about the amazing Spider Mans of the world. Where like that's just that's just unforgivable. See, no, I, mean, I think just, they need to you know, try to be more like the Vertigo books. I mean, but yeah, we no, disagree. I agree. I would like to, I would like to see more thinking out of the box, but have it. I mean, the Why the Last Man covers still relate to what's going on in the issue. Mm-hmm. They do. They're relatable. It's not fucking Y and and Agent whatever seven fifty five watching TV. That was really bad. That that I mean, that, that example that, that's is bad. bad. I all agree. Yeah. Like when it's like, it's it's like one thing if it is uh, if it's uh, specific, or if it's non-specific. Yeah. But if it's just wrong, that's yeah. probably pretty bad. In 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 stark contrast to the uh, to the vitriol we all just experienced, um, I want to take a moment because I learned something this week that the letterer of your favorite comic books is the most underappreciated person in the world because the unsung hero. Oh my god! This week I was trying to learn how to. I'm working on a project where I'm I'm producing a, like a short comic book, um, and I was trying to letter it. And I, I looked up like a billion tutorials, and none of them worked. Like they'd be like, "Do this and do this," and then I get to like a certain point, and there just wouldn't be that button that they're talking about, or it just wouldn't do what they said. I finally found something. Uh, I think it's ninjalettering.com or ninjaletters.com. If you're ever looking to do this, by the way, that I really you can also look at um, look at balloontails.com. That's a really good. Uh, and judging from Josh this week, you shouldn't be looking to do this. Yes. Don't. I mean, but like, really, there's so many things that in lettering that 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 uh, that you don't think about, and it's really specific, and it's it's really like, it, it it's been taking longer than almost anything else we've been doing. It's a photo comic. It's not drawings. So we've been taking. Well, it didn't take longer than actually taking the photos. That took forever. Um, but uh, little things like you know the, the I've, I read for example like the balloon should always point to the, the character's mouth. And if you ever see, like, a balloon that's pointing towards their shoulder or something like that, like, that's lazy lettering. And I'd never thought about it. Yep. Um, and just little things like that. You. Yeah. One word, kerning. Kerning? Look it up. <laughs> Everybody well, think, go out and look it up. I think lettering is kind of like scoring in films. Just if, you, it's, if, it's, yeah. if it's bad, you notice it. If it's good, you don't. Yeah, I, I, but that's that's funny that you say that because over many years I have like I do look for the letterer like Chris Eliopoulos or whatever his name is I I he's amazing <laughs> like every time he letters a book I get psyched. Well, so what uh, I'm saying is that Chris Eliopoulos, VCs Corey Pettit, Clem Robbins, Rich, Richard Starkings, Richard Starkings Comic Craft. I, I like yeah. using the company names because they do it in the in the credits. Yeah, Comic Craft is great. That's balloontails.com is a, a how-to site from Comic Craft. That was the one. That was one of the ones that didn't quite do what it was supposed to because like it was an illustrator. 
right. it was an Illustrator thing, but it was like an old version on a Mac, yeah, and so it didn't match it, yeah. mine at all, and so I couldn't yeah. figure out what it was. But it, it, you know, if you had that version, it would have been a great thing. But I did learn tips and stuff from that. Anyway, uh, that's all. Just but the point the is, the letterers need more respect. I mean, yeah, if respect the they do, uh, and the one thing I got, I I'm not gonna say who. I sort of as a joke one time in one of my reviews wrote, I had nothing to say about the book for some reason, and I wrote. And since I don't have anything to say, let's give it to this letter, who once again is shining. Six, seven, eight months later, I get an email, like this angry, crazy coot email going, I read your review, and I really want to say nobody appreciates me, and thank you so much. And I was like, oh, I was kind of just kidding. But since then... And let's, and let's pray he doesn't listen to the podcast. <laughs> I, don't think that's, I don't think we have to worry about that. He yeah. wrote to me on somebody else's email account other than his. <laughs> so wow. Sketchy. Yeah, and, so, and anyway, it's so... actually it's, it's a really big name in lettering. You know, I think I think that this this um, year at San Diego, I'm going to try to seek out letterers and get them to letter my sketches. Ooh, that's a good idea, actually. Yeah, that's a good idea. So, anyway, so cool. Well, thank you for that, Josh. Sorry, I just yeah. appreciate your letterers. All right, so time for a little business. Um, as you guys might have noticed early on in the podcast, um, we are welcoming our first sponsor of the podcast. Um, Comicol.com is an awesome site. If you guys haven't checked it out for discounted comics and trade paperbacks. They, they carry all new Marvel, DC, Dark Horse, and Image books, and they discount them like 40% off. Um, if you go to their site every month and pre-order the books you want, uh, or if you prefer, we've been talking about this the past couple weeks, they do have a subscription service, and they wanted us to make sure to mention that they do ship them carefully packed, set in a box, so they come in good quality, not like um, the poor quality that the, somebody wrote in and told us about a couple of weeks ago. So um, They also have trade paperbacks and hardcovers at like 30 to 50% off. Um, and they've got stuff coming in basically every day. So check them out at comichole.com. That's C-O-M-I-C-H-O-L-E.com. Can I, can I say it now? Sure. It's, it's on their site, and, and this is why I was like, oh, yeah, 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 let's use them. It, it says, from our hole to yours. Or no, from our hole to your home. Yeah. It's from their right. hole, though. <laughs> and I'm okay so, with that. So check them out at comichole.com and let them know that you heard about it, let them know that you heard about it from, from us at ifanboy.com. Um, they've got flexible and cheap shipping options. They've got an ironclad guarantee, and they're totally worth checking out. I'm going to start using them, so check them out today. And we've got an awesome special for you guys, RI Fanboy listeners, um, that if you go over to ComicHole.com and make a purchase uh, and use the coupon, coupon code of iFanboy, that's I-F-A-N-B-O-Y, you'll get 5% off your first, per- first purchase. That's on top of the already discounted 40 or, 40 or 30 or 50% off discount. Um, so the first time you purchase, use the coupon code iFanboy, um, and that's only this, that's only good until the end of July. So make sure you act now before it expires. It's about a month. So, so big thank you and big ups to um, Comichole.com, and I just apologize for saying big ups. <laughs> Should I was thinking much respect to. <laughs> um, so Comichole.com, check them out. We're very glad to have them on board to the iFanboy podcast. So listen to mail time, boys. Listen to mail. What do we got, Connor? Well, we got one from Gene. Gene wrote in to say that he. Agreed with us and really enjoyed Civil War number two. Thought that the disguise Steve Rogers used was a nice nod to Superman and Clark Kent. And he was also um, agreeing with us that Steve McNiven is really one of the top artists working right now. But he had a question. He, he wants to know how he would compare and contrast Marvel and DC. Not just who's better, but how are they different? And what do we like about one that we wish the other would do, or vice versa? And which things are different and which ones are just readers' preferences? You know, to be honest, I don't really feel a difference. They're just comics to me. No, there's a definite, there's like... a definite difference. Yeah, well, no, no, I don't care. Well, no, I'm not that you should that. care. I'm just saying there is one. <laughs> I think there's a there's a line wide tonal difference. 
Yep. Yeah, and the, yeah, I can see that. It, it's almost like, to me, it feels a lot like I would have imagined the difference would have been in the 60s and 70s. Like, yes, it's it's more yeah. it's more pronounced now than it has been yeah. in a long time. I was gonna I was gonna almost make the the comparison. I was almost gonna say DC. I feel is more primary color, while Marvel is more muted. Well, that, right I now, mean, that's, that's always the case, been the yeah. classic. That's always been the classic sort of comparison. Is like, the, and I don't mean that literally. I mean that like thematically. Right. Oh. I think that's always been a classic comparison. But I think about five years ago, it, it sort of got mixed a little bit, and people were going back and forth. And one of the things that both Dan DiDio and and Casada uh, have done is that they gave each of their their groups of comics like an overarching sort of tone. I think yeah. it, it's hard to it's hard to put into words, but I, they definitely feel different. Marvel's books seem more rooted in reality, and DC's feels more rooted in their DC world where things are a bit more colorful. And they're, they're both enjoyable. I like them both for their merits. And then it's not, they're not, one's not better than the other. That's just the difference right now. You know, yeah. you know it was a good thing that um, I think it, I'm going to go back to that old Greg Rucka word balloon that we talked about before. He said something along. It's tearing the, the comic podcast world. I swear apart. to God, it's the That's best interview ever done. Um, <laughs> uh, Greg Rucka said something along the lines of, um, and I don't know if I agree with this or not, but in the DC universe, 9-11 couldn't have happened. Right, right. Whereas it shouldn't it have happened in the Marvel happen, universe either, though. But it did. It shouldn't happen at all. It shouldn't have just, happened. I mean, it was a that's, huge mistake the on their part. I know, but it, well, they, it was, they, it was they a huge error happen. on their part. Well, that's debatable. Really? All right, I really... That's it's happened, and they've ref- they, they should have just never referenced it again. Unfortunately, they keep, they keep referencing it, and it was a big mistake. Uh, big mistake on their part. Gobble, gobble, gobble. Next email. Um, Josh, why don't you read Tim's email? All right. Last week at the beginning of the thing, I said I, we were talking about Civil War II, and if you don't know what happened now, you live in a deep hole. And then the first line of this, I wanted to advise you guys of how deep a hole I live in. Uh, Tim lives in Japan, and he gets his comics through a subscription service, and for a variety of reasons, tends not to read them until the month after they arrive. So he reads his comics a lot longer, a lot after they come out. But he still likes to listen to the podcast. He wants to take the risk sometime. And he said, hey, it's Civil War II, but I'm going to go for it anyway. And, of course, within a couple of minutes, we said, hey, Spider-Man on mask. Now, it doesn't matter that you could walk outside. I don't know if it's the same in Japan. But here you could walk outside and people were like, do you know Spider-Man on mask? And be like, I didn't know that, officer. Thank you. But apparently we ruined it for him. And I hope we didn't ruin it for a lot of people. But um, anyway, we apologize about that. Right, and I don't want to not show sympathy to Tim. I, but I really kind of, do it's, sympathize. It's, 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 it's kind of your own fault, though. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, like, you, I mean, like, I don't think we can clearly make it any more clear that this is about Civil War. II. That was the, that was the title of the episode. <laughs> yeah, but I, but no, I do understand, and it's a, and like we said in the beginning of the podcast, it's a tough you know road to hoe because it, you know because it's hard to talk about the books without spoiling them. A lot. And we don't want to say, hey, don't listen, because we want them to listen. We enjoy, you know, we like the fact that he listens. But if you're really into a book and you see it's, it's the subject of the podcast, you may want to skip yeah. to the middle of the show. We're not, we're not smart or quick enough to be able to do this all in pronouns. Right. And we're not going to. It's a review show. We're not, so that's not the point of the show. Someone did something that happened. That guy? You know the thing? And you go, yeah, 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 yeah. That thing, that was awesome. Yeah, and watch our numbers drift to the bottom. Um, can we plug his, can we plug his <laughs> All right, he wants us to plug his podcast and we'll do that. I like it. I, from the sound of it, I, I want to, I'm going to check it out. Uh, it, it actually relates a little to what I was saying. Uh, his target yeah. audience is people who are want to develop the comics writing or drawing skills. Um, it they just got onto iTunes and it's called Decon- deconstructing comics. Exactly, deconstructing comics. It can be found at globalcomics.net/slash/podcast. So, that sounds cool. And global apparently global global comics is his site as well, where he has his web comic there. So check that out as well. 
It's called the, it's called the Crazing Spider Hag. Perhaps the only comic on the web not influenced by Lord of the Rings manga or Three's Company. <laughs> All what of them, that? or any of them? <laughs> what comic is based on Three's Company? <laughs> oh, that Scott Kurtz one. Yeah, it kind of is. Oh, it's Three's Company. Yes. Thought about that. Yeah. All right. <laughs> That's a fantastic. Oh, thank you, Tim. That just made my week. <laughs> the last letter. Well, actually, this is not even a letter. Um, this is unusual, but we took a question off of the website from a poster named The Bat, and he's new Donald, to the podcast. I'd like to talk to you about that. Yeah. Let's talk about copyright <laughs> infringement. Um, he says, first off, this is, why, this is my first time contributing to the website. I've been listening to the podcast for weeks now and telling my local comic shop regulars and staff all about you guys, which we really like a lot. Thank you, The Bat, and all the rest of you should be doing this as well. Yeah. I mean, Learn from The Bat. Do what he does. He's a smart guy. His name is the Bat. So, yeah, so. he so he likes the podcast. He tells his friends. That's great. Um, he was wondering <laughs> why we haven't mentioned Iron Man, the Iron Man execute program storyline yet, and what have we thought about it, um, guys? And he said, "Why not?" with exclamation point and question mark. Yeah, which I indicates have not, indignation. I have not read Iron Man. Crickets, crickets, crickets. I don't. I don't, I don't read Iron Man. All I know about Iron Man is he's Iron in his Man. underwear in the suit. Oh, they that, did that one panel again. Yeah, I hate a- that. After, after I read the whole alcoholic storyline from the early 80s, I really didn't feel like I ever needed to read any more Iron Man. I thought that was perfection. So. There was a really good no, little I, bit of it in the early 2000s again. Yeah, there was. Yeah. But John no, Chen, I have heard, Mark Wade, was it? No, 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 no. no. Quesada wrote it. No, before him. No, yeah. But that was supposed yeah. to be a good run. I didn't read it either. So but none of us are reading heard, it, yeah. I've heard things about this though, and I've heard it's supposed to be good. But um, I, you know, the bad. If you want to lend us three bucks, we'll buy. Again, it. the like only Iron Man, the... anyway. He's in so many of the books okay. I'm reading as it is now. I feel like he's always in there. So yeah, I'm sick of him. Anyway. All right. So his next question is also, what's our take on Planet Hulk? As a rule of thumb, he steers clear of space planet stories, which is Ooh. like Josh. But he's been reading the Hulk, anticipating something huge at the other end of the epic. Will have anything to do with Civil War? Especially since the Illuminati sent him into space, so he wants to know what we think of Planet Hulk. Which, well, I don't, again, <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to go out on a limb here and make another prediction that will probably come true because I'm the comic god. But, <laughs> gee, <laughs> but um, it's I imagine that my guess in Marvel is that Civil War will end and then Annihilation and Planet Hulk will all come into this big huge explosion that will happen early 2007 or and like disappoint around this time, everyone. <laughs> yeah, that's my guess because there's no way that that's not going to come back. But the fact that they made it a point to have the in the Civil War preview to have the Illuminati to make a story point that they shot the the Hulk out in the space that's going to come back and bite them in the ass. Well, it's funny that I don't read Hulk because I really like Hulk. I think maybe it's the residue of really liking the Bill Bixby TV show. But um, yeah. I've always liked the character, and I don't, I don't read it. I don't know why. I can't tell you why. I can't but, stand the Hulk. It's like been a, a, a few times where like somebody new will come on to write it, and I'll read it for one, and I just am not interested for some reason in that character. I don't know why. Never. So we're over two on the he, bats he, books. But we, he did ask a question that we can answer. Yes. Uh, well, first, before that, he's looking forward to our coverage of the Comic Con, which is coming up so next we. month. We're really excited about it. We can't um, stop planning for it. So there's lots. We're gonna have lots of cool stuff for you guys. His last question is: When is the podcast usually available for download? So our official stance is that we we shoot to make the podcast available on Sunday nights. Um, so it's ready for all you folks who come to work on Monday morning or for you kids who get home from school Monday afternoon. Um, although school's over now, isn't it? 
Um, but whatever. So, so so look for the podcast usually available Sunday night, like around seven eight o'clock. You know, there might be the rare time where it comes out a little earlier or a little later, or Monday morning. And, I mean, ninety percent of yeah, the time it, it comes out Sunday night. Yeah, and if we're if for some reason we're delayed past Monday morning, we'll post and let you guys know. But look for it Sunday night. So, so that's all for uh, listener mail. It, Rock and roll. Yeah, we usually don't. We're not able to get it up usually earlier than that. But it will unless and if it's later, we'll post it up on there. So if you're going to download it, you can't. Check the site. We'll tell you what's going on. Yep. Josh, what's going on the Frapper map? All I know is that there are 199. Oh, One was, more. I thought it would be so much fun to come do the podcast right now and be like, by the way, 200. What up? We've been at 199 I, I, and then all I'd say, day. I'd say big up to the big up to the Frapper map. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of like, like the fact that we're on 199 because it shows that we've still got a ways to go. It's just still a goal to hit. I think I checked the Frapper map twenty five times today for the. You are upset. You're obsessive for the two hundred. I really, I really want you to go talk to somebody. I wish I'd known that because I just would have signed up as somebody else. (laughs) Oh, that's not cool. We've never done that. We've never done that. (laughs) We're at one ninety nine, and it's awesome. So thank you everybody who's. John Hook, edible consumer. Marco Logo, Mark Mastawat, Grumble Cakes, Juan de Jesus. Didn't Grumble Cakes say something funny? No, I liked what Edible Consumer said. Maybe that's Shout cool. out to, Gre- to Greg the Flea Market Comic Guy, which just renders so many images of Greg the Flea Market Comic Guy. <laughs> I have a picture specifically of what a flea market comic book looks like, and it's an Avengers issue from 1982, and the vision is slightly torn. <laughs> I don't know. So, so, anyway, so thank you, everybody, who did the Frapper map. Awesome. So, so well, we all just lost was, our breath for a second there. This anyway. was tiring. <laughs> this one, this one took a lot out of me. Wait, I'm how, down now. So anyway, the, <laughs> what the Frapper map is? It's a map. Uh, you can go to uh, Frapper.com/ifanboy, F-R-A-P-P-R.com/ifanboy, and stick it in there. Tell us where you are. Give us a little shout out on there, and and. Uh, you can also go on uh, ifanboy.com and up in the upper right hand corner. There's a click to check out the. Frapper there you map. go. Um, if you get a chance, please come over to ifanboy.com. The discussions are getting better and better and bigger and bigger. Um, and there's more people who keep showing up, and uh, it's it's great because the more people show up, it the level of discussion has not gone down, which doesn't seem to make any sense, but it's so cool, and we really appreciate it. You can always email us at contact at ifanboy.com. Any questions, comments, concerns, discussion topics, love letters, hate mail, job offers, or marriage proposals. I had a script. I read that. Uh, <laughs> uh, but we like today we had somebody write us about a story, and we were like, oh, yeah, we do have to put that up on the thing. So we put it up on the on the weblog. Um, we also like, had a listener who um, sent in their they, – they took a trip to New York, and they asked us about it on the podcast, and then we told them, and then he sent us a story and pictures. We put that up on the website today. So uh, If you like the show, go over to Podcast Alley and vote for us. Please vote for us. Uh, or you can go to iTunes and leave us a review. Um, we got a few yeah, from last week, so thank you. Anyone who did thank that. you. We, we love reading those, by the way, because it makes us feel real good. Um, and even better than that, go to your comic shop and say, hey, I've been listening to this great podcast, or, or tell your friends, or your mom. Your mom. <laughs> that, that's weird. It creeps <laughs> me out. I'm not saying that anymore. Anyway, um, and finally, in our last sort of bit of, of if you want to, uh, if you want to, want to contribute, you want to, you want to po- put a little donation in the till, we can take that. It's... Uh, at the ifanboy.com slash donations. Um, or go to the website and click on the donations yeah. tab. Um, and all money goes into the show. We're not, we're, again, we, like, we have a sponsor. Yes. Don't, don't, don't think we're, uh, we're rolling in it now. Uh, we're, we're, we're gainfully employed aside from this. We just want to make what we do for iFanboy better for you. This We've already so started. 
This is so that when we have to buy equipment to go uh, do more podcasting and go to San Diego, we're not as much in debt after it's over. Yeah. Keyword, as much. <laughs> as much, because I'm going to tell you, I made some purchases today uh, for the show. I know you guys have. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and we haven't made that money back. Speaking of San Diego, just to remind everybody, we're going to be there next month. We're going to have full in-depth coverage. We're going to cover it every day. We're probably going to update daily from the con, or at least around the con. And then we're going to do a daily podcast, which will probably be a disaster. And... <laughs> it will be awesome. <laughs> but quite amusing. And then at the end of the week, we're going to be on the podcasting panel with Fanboy Radio and Geek Comic Geek Speak and Word Balloon Indie and some other podcasts. Rack, Word Balloon and Comic Selected Library. Uh, it's going to be comics, a veritable all-stars. All oh, God, I'm totally leaving somebody out. Augie's Pipeline. An all-star lineup of podcasts. Yeah, so if you're going to be at the con, And it's going to be moderated by writer B. Clay Moore. Um, and it's it's kind of the thing where, like, if you ever listen to radio a lot and you and you like really like the person you listen to on the radio, and then you see them in person and you go, oh, <laughs> I, I have a feeling it's going to be like that. It's I like see why it's called Man Cow. It's like the first time I saw Howie Rose. It was just like, oh, he's got a face for radio. So, so if you're going to be in San Diego, come check it out Sunday morning at eleven. I think it is right. It's going to be eleven thirty, room eight, yeah. I believe. Um, we'll give you more details. We'll get totally. Story. But uh, so in, so next month, look out for San Diego. But next week. Look out around midweek, um, maybe Wednesday or Thursday, we're going to have a special edition podcast dedicated to Superman Returns. Just like we did for X-Men, hopefully. Sucks. Wait, no, I haven't seen it. Sorry. <laughs> hopefully not as controversial as the X-Men podcast. Listen. Yeah, hopefully it'll be a little, a little more positive. How much more fun was it to have all that controversy, though? I enjoyed it. it Who fun. wants a big yeah. love fest for this? It was really cool. <laughs> yeah, it was cool. Well, what do we got then? Nothing. I hope all right, so nice. look out for that sometime next week in addition to the normal Sunday podcast. Yeah. We got a lot going on in our fanboy world. We'd like to take you along for the ride. <laughs> uh, that's all. Good night, everybody. I'm Josh. I'm Connor. And I'm Ron. And love your letterers. That means brother in French. I don't know why I know that. I took four years of Spanish.